Welcome to the China Flexpad Podcast. Hi, Francis. Hello, everyone. This is Yassine Rigragi. I'm based in Paris. I have 10 years working experience, mainly in fintech. I started my career in China as an entrepreneur, uh, where I worked for two uh, startups in Shanghai before to have the chance to launch my own startup with a, a Chinese partner that was a, a, an e-commerce platform. And then I joined Alibaba Group, where I worked for uh, almost four years, uh, first at uh, AliExpress, and then at Alipay, where I was in charge of launching and managing the uh, multilingual version of Alipay app. Uh, after coming back to Paris in 2018, I joined uh, uh, Deloitte, uh, the consulting firm, to be in charge of uh, the payments and fintech-related projects, with also a part of uh, Chinese uh, projects on consulting. Uh, now, for almost one year, I'm a consultant and a visiting lecturer at universities and uh, business schools around the world. And I'm also uh, uh, author of uh, uh, an upcoming book uh, about China that uh, will be launched uh, this year, uh, especially focused on uh, my experience in China uh, and uh, on the innovation technologies uh, and how we can get inspiration from what's happening uh, in the East. That is so nice to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Yasin. So you were the first foreign employee at Alipay. That is really interesting. So tell us something about Alipay and payment, you know, online payment. Everybody's talking about online payment these days. Sure, Francis. So actually, uh, my life in China, as six years living in China, was totally cashless, uh, which means that I had to go to a bank only once to get my bank card and connect it with two wallets called Alipay and WeChat Pay. And then every day I could use these two wallets to pay on my daily life. So really our life of 1 billion people in China using these two apps is really unique because we do everything with these apps. And my role at Alipay was really to develop this app, especially Alipay for foreign users who really loved to use this same features as Chinese. And there is something unique also about these apps is that on top of being like payments apps, it's really different from PayPal, for instance, because it offers what we call lifestyle services. So there are over 1,000 services available within these apps that, for example, you can talk with your friends, you can book a cab, you can order food delivery, and of course, you can make transfer, money transfer, and make payments. So we even call them super apps because they are very unique from being application that includes a lot of several services. So I was really excited to work for this very unique and first uh, type of apps in China. You were the first employee. So how did you communicate in Chinese? How did you learn Chinese in such a quick way? So actually at the beginning when I worked in China for almost four years, I didn't really need to speak Chinese because it was like, I was mainly using English to, to speak with my, my colleagues. But when joining Alipay, my supervisors 
didn't, I mean, did, didn't let me to speak English because I didn't understand them. And I had to find my own way to learn Chinese. I couldn't take Chinese classes because it was uh, really hard in terms of time, in terms of uh, like uh, speed of evolution of learning. So I had to find my own ways to learn. One of the ways I tried is to try to translate my weekly reports uh, from English to Chinese using uh, like translators like Baidu Translate, equivalent to Google Translate in, in China. But the quality of the translation was not good. So I was uh, like making upset my supervisors and I had to find another way to improve my Chinese. And one of the ways is really to try to translate word by word uh, using pinyin, which is a, a way to transcribe Chinese characters so that people can pronounce it well. And step by step, by using these words every day, I could understand and, and learn this language. So by, by the time I, I could even become fluent because I was using this language to manage a team, to animate meetings, to write my weekly reports, etc. And I was even invited to, to sing and uh, speak in Chinese uh, in front of 40,000 people at uh, the Alibaba annual show in a stadium in Hangzhou. So this also like uh, was uh, a way to recognize this, uh, this evolution and, and the success of learning Chinese. And what would you say, apart from learning Chinese, what are the key skills needed to succeed in a Chinese business environment? Of course, a part of learning Chinese that is very important hard skill because it helps to create the trust between you and between the, the Chinese uh, co-workers. And I could feel it. I could feel the difference between not speaking Chinese and speaking Chinese. The difference was really huge, uh, but I, I would say that uh, we really need some soft skills. And these soft skills, I can, for instance, speak about what uh, the first meetings I had with uh, Jack Ma or like the speeches he had uh, attended. He, he mentioned about uh, having a good IQ, a good EQ and a good LQ. So IQ is about being smart, of course, uh, what basically we, we learn at school, etc. Having a good EQ is about emotional caution, so being a, a team player, uh, being emotionally intelligent, so having good communication with people, etc. And then there is something really important that Jack Ma is mentioning a lot, is about the LQ, which is the love caution. And it's more about the passion for work. So once someone has really a passion for something, for a domain, he will really be excellent at it. And that's the reason why, for instance, today I'm still working in fintech, because on top of like being really interested in this topic, trying to learn from what Jack Ma has said about the LQ and, and getting this passion for this domain made me progress in, the, in this uh, field. Yeah, I would summarize the, the skills from IQ, EQ, LQ. Of course, there are some other skills that are mandatory uh, for any business environment, like adaptability. Like I had to change 12 times my teams working at Alibaba. Uh, that proves also that we have to adapt to different jobs, to different KPIs, to different goals. Uh, that makes us really resilient and uh, being able to work on marketing, on business development, on user experience, etc. So. I think this is really typical to Chinese business environment because 
I think in France or in the rest of the world, we will not have that path and pace of, of working. Now imagine you could not speak Chinese like many of our audience and you would still like to dive into the Chinese environment. What does it need to succeed? China probably is, um, I mean, one of the countries in the, uh, in the East that is more welcoming. So they will really make sure that they speak English and try to communicate with others. But the effort is not only from them, it's also from us. One of the keys to really make sure that we succeed in China without speaking Chinese is really about the relationships. Uh, we call them, of course, guanxi in Chinese. Uh, and it's really about not only talking with people, etc., but it's really about creating the trust and building the strong relation with them. Of course, having dinner, of course, trying to communicate uh, often with them, etc. And there is something else that I would say is about trying to uh, highlight and showcase the core value added of uh, as a foreigner. For instance, for my case, it was about creativity. So how I could leverage my creativity on my daily work, how I could make sure that I'm different than all the other Chinese. And what really Chinese like in, in foreigners in terms of working business environment is about how creative they are. So yeah, I would say these two main skills, first about developing the network, developing the relationships, and second about bringing some value added, for instance, creativity, are the two main skills. That, are needed. that is so fantastic because what you just said is something that we hear all the time on the podcast. The other thing is, and the other thing is, um, you as a foreigner can bring in creativity and maybe put some provocation inside the system and have some new ideas, and this will keep the system moving and, and they profit from you and you profit from them. It's win win. That's really great. What would you say, what do you need to survive as the first and only employee of a large Chinese company like Alibaba? And what are the key takeaways from this experience? Well, I think it's really about surviving because we are everyday challenged. We are everyday working with Chinese people who speak the language, who who is their mother language, who already are adapted to this working environment, etc. So it's really about surviving every day. And I think there is no secret sauce or secret recipe to, to survive, but from my own perspective is uh, trying to really embrace changes. And for instance, it's one of the core values of these tech giants, for instance, of uh, Adipay or Alibaba, uh, being able to, as I mentioned, work in different fields every day, being able to switch from a project to another one, and going really fast. So embracing changes is definitely one of the core skills or strengths that uh, any employee should have. The second one is about trying to be really patient and resilient because we are, as I mentioned, everyday challenged. So we will point out where it's wrong and how we can face the challenges, how we can face the crisis, etc., etc. So I think the third one, is more about trying to go out from the comfort zone. And it's exactly what describes my experience. 
because first I came from France, so I didn't really had experience before with Chinese people. And this is this was the first step into like a new comfort zone. But going to Alibaba was even harder because uh, it was not my the business environment I was used to work in. And then working at Alipay without speaking the language was even harder. So the the conclusion of everything here is that I could grow because I was put into a very hard zone uh, and I had to adapt and I had to understand how it works. Uh, I had to understand the codes rapidly, etc. There is no book that could help me to, to face this. Uh, I think it's more about the experience. It's more about the mistakes we make. And I think the more mistakes you do, the more you learn. This is the biggest difference I saw between China and France uh, or Europe in general is that uh, in China, we, we can make mistakes. We can learn from these mistakes. We will be, of course, punished or we will have some, let's say, uh, less reward, etc. But it will make us better. In France, for instance, it's a bit harder to face these mistakes, etc. because we will be pointed out as not performant. Uh, however, in China, it's really about trying to make as many mistakes as possible to learn and become better every day. That's really nice. I like this, especially to learn Chinese. I think it's the only way to learn Chinese to try and try and try and fail all the time, but then you get better. Can you share some, just one example? How did you learn Chinese and how did it really work for you to communicate with your team on the long run? Just, you know, on top of what you said before, just something on the top of your head. What did you, what helped you to learn Chinese? I think one of the ways is, for instance, I had to take the, uh, like some post-its and write some key words that I used every weekly report. For example, how we say data in Chinese is shuju, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So these are some examples that I had to, to write down uh, on the pinyin. So, uh, so this was the first step. And then, although I didn't have the right accent, it was fine because I could use different ways to, to speak and use those accents. Uh, and then I had to find the right way. So I didn't really follow the book or try to speak like necessarily the, the basic words of Chinese, but my goal was only to be understood by my team, to be understood by uh, my management. It went through my weekly reports. So that was the uh, key points that made me really learn every every week and every week the words that I, I try to use uh, often I didn't need to go to a translator to, to check because I already got used to, to write it uh, and step by step my book library grew and I tried to for instance uh, uh, watch some Chinese series <laughs> or try to listen some Chinese music, etc. And this helps as well because our ear gets used to it. I think there is really not perfect way and I'm not as like smarter than others. I think this method can be one of the methods to learn. It worked for me from a point that I really was insist on the fact that I really have to learn new words every week. And then I keep some milestones. As I mentioned, my, my management trusted me even more. Uh, and because they saw the progress, they saw the progress from uh, not speaking Chinese until being fluent in Chinese in like less than a year. So the, the trust was really massive and uh, I, I could even communicate with the like, top management, etc. Okay, thank you very much, Yasin, for coming on the show. 
And uh, if anyone can reach out to you, they will find you on LinkedIn. And maybe you can give them some advice how to find a job at Alibaba or in the fintech scene. So it's really cool to, to have you here. Thank you. And that's it. Thank you, Francis. Pleasure to join. Thank you. Thank you for being part of China Flexpot community. Visit our website at chinaflexpot.com and follow us on LinkedIn. Goodbye and zaijian.